Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This happened to me when I was 10 or 11. I'm just about to turn 20 now, but I'll never forget what happened that day. I was at my grandparents' house, who were watching me for the day. They live out, in a mixture of farmland and woods, in rural Wisconsin. Their yard is mostly surrounded by farmland, but to the right side of the yard is a couple acres of woods and a swamp. It was a really hot, muggy morning, in July. I was standing out on the deck, shooting at some cans, with my BB gun. All of a sudden, I got the sense something was wrong. It felt like I was being watched. 
I started scanning the tree line and down at the edge of the trees, about 60 yards away, by the swamp or woods was this thing, standing, that I can only describe as a dog man. It was about 7 feet tall, covered with shaggy gray hair, had the classic dog man face, long snout, pointed ears on top of head, yellow eyes, and it was very muscular. It was standing on two legs, but it appeared to be sort of leaning up against a tree. We locked eyes and while it was probably only 10 seconds, it felt like hours. It sounds silly, but I felt the thing had a sinister grin on its face. It was extremely intimidating. I know that had that thing wanted to kill me, it easily could have done that. I could relive this encounter, at my age now, with a shotgun, instead of a BB gun, and I'd still be just as terrified as I was then. It definitely had a very negative and sinister vibe to it. After locking eyes with the thing, it just bolted off on two legs, through some of the swamp and emerged farther down the tree line, and then ran off, into the forest. At first, I thought it might have been one of my older cousins, playing a joke on me, who lived nearby, but then I realized, there was no way they could be wearing a suit, be seven feet tall, and clear the swamp as fast as that thing did. I wasn't gonna tell grandma and grandpa I saw a werewolf, down by the swamp, they'd never believe me. So, I just kept my mouth shut and tried to carry on with my day there. Well, later that afternoon, I was talking to my aunt and she brought up the fact that she had heard strange noises the night before. When I asked what they sounded like, she said it was a lot of snarling, and growling, and it kind of sounded like an animal being attacked. Maybe five years ago, one night, I was at a friend's house out in the country, in Vesper, Wisconsin, when my friend's car turned in and came rushing up the driveway. The car came to a halt and two of my other friends jumped out. They explained that they had seen something they just couldn't describe. I asked them if they got a good look at whatever had them so shook up. They looked at each other and said yes. They said they were driving through the country, on their way to join us, and were driving past a farm when they noticed something in the ditch. The friend who was driving said he flashed his brights to get a better look, and whatever it was raised up and ran across the road on all fours. It looked like it could walk on two legs if it wanted to, they both said. They also said it looked like it was half dog, half man. Or maybe half dog and half monkey. They couldn't explain how the creature looked any better than that. They just kept trying to compare it to other animals. They said they were about 20 yards from it, the brights were on, and they got a good look at it. Well, that's the story. I'll never forget how stricken their faces were with panic and fear. I don't think they were lying. Several years ago I was a long-haul truck driver. In this instance, I was on I-40 in Newbury Springs, California. I'd probably been through this area 30 or 40 times but had never really paid any attention to the name of the town. While traveling through the area, I noticed a woman standing in the desert dressed in bright white. It really caught me off guard because it was so out of place. I looked when I went by and she appeared to be in Middle Eastern type clothing but she appeared to be bright white. I couldn't really make out any facial features as well, 
as her feet and hands appeared distorted almost like she was levitating. I called my sister and told her about it immediately. I told her the name of the town and what I saw, so she got on Google to see if anything like that had been reported but it hadn't. 36 hours later, I pulled into a rest area in Dragoon, Arizona to go to bed for the night, I was scrolling through Facebook and an article caught my attention. It said something to the effect of a tractor-trailer car accident in Newbury Springs, California. Now keep in mind I never paid any attention to the name of that town before so I clicked on the article to find out that right after I came through there were a few cars and a tractor-trailer that were involved in an accident. I think there ended up being about 5 fatalities in the accident. I immediately thought back to the woman I had seen standing in the desert. My thoughts, maybe she was an angel waiting to usher these souls to the other side. Maybe she was something else but the whole experience left me with more questions than answers. I grew up in North Central Wisconsin. After high school, I served 10 years in the US Marine Corps. I retired from the military after 23 years and worked as a hydraulics mechanic in a plant that made body armor for the military. Now to the weird stuff. My little brother owns about 14 acres of woods with his house a few miles west of Frankfurt, Kentucky. Two years ago I started a deer hunt out there. The woods of three hills with two drains breaking them up. They were in an L-shape draining into a creek bottom. In the first year, the 2018 season, I positioned myself in the middle of the hill and had a good view down to a clearing about 50 yards away with a bunch of failed trees and limbs. I spent most of three weeks looking down into the clearing. Nothing unusual happened this year but it's important. Back in 2019, about five months before deer season opened up, I ended up buying a tree stand. We put it together and set it up at the bottom of the hills by the creek with my back to the property line. Depending on the wind I would either use the tree or sit at the top of my original spot. One day in the tree stand, after I woke up, I noticed that it was dead quiet. No birds, no squirrels, nothing. Just silence. I didn't see anything. It just felt weird. After about 20 minutes the woods went back to normal. A couple of days later the wind changed directions. So I was sitting at the top of the hill in my old spot looking down into that clearing. I'm not seeing anything all day. I decided to check the trail across the clearing for fresh deer signs. I slowly made my way down the hill to the edge of the clearing. Now this is the same clearing I spent all the previous season looking down into, then often on this current season. When I got down to the bottom a panic started to come over me. Somehow I felt lost. I was turning around looking all over trying to figure out where I was and how to get out. I didn't have any idea where I was. I managed to calm myself down and focused on a big oak tree and suddenly I knew exactly where I was at. I started walking back up the hill to my spot in front of the tree where I had my gear. I was trying to make sense of what just happened. I grabbed my gear got in the truck, and went to my brother's house. I told him what had just happened. He actually believed me. I was back out there at 4 the next morning and didn't have any other occurrences. In 1978 in North Central Wisconsin, during my senior year in high school, we had two pet rabbits. 
In the evenings I would ride my motorcycle out into the country to this clover field to pick some for the rabbits. One evening I was picking clover and looked over my shoulder and saw this dark figure of what I thought was a bear. It was about 150 yards away eating the clover. As I watched it the damn thing stood up and looked over at me. It then turned and walked into the tree line. This sort of freaked me out at the time. I never heard anything about Sasquatch so I didn't know what it was until many years later, and yes, I would still go back there to pick clover, but I kept my bike running and pointed towards home. I live in eastern Washington, and I'm a 27-year firefighter or paramedic veteran. I volunteer with several search and rescue teams from Washington to Idaho. In the late spring of 2014, I was on vacation at my son and daughter-in-law's home in northern Idaho when over the local news they announced a need for trained rescue members to help search for a family of five lost for two days. I travel with my seasonal rescue equipment so I'm prepared at all times. I drove an hour and 45 minutes with my son to a northern Idaho town out of Bonners Ferry where the command center was. We divided into teams of seven. Everyone from all over the north came out to help. I took the lead of my team and searched the high country at the border of Montana and Idaho. When we arrived we met a Montana conservation officer. He told us that the father and children had made it out but he had to leave his wife because her hip seemed to be broken and she couldn't walk. He had left a .357 pistol with her for protection and signal for rescuers. She also had a whistle. As we headed up the mountain, after one hour we ran into three search volunteers that were gassed from the off-trail search. As they followed the sound of a whistle they said that they followed the whistle sound into the big timber but couldn't catch up to it. Confused by this report we marked their last GPS area on our map and proceeded to that area. It was 4 in the afternoon, weather was sunny and dry. We heard a faint whistle sound come from a ridge roughly a half mile ahead. We thought, awesome. We found her. This is when things went weird. We hiked maybe 1000 feet when we heard the whistle again. This time it was closer. We yelled out to her but with no reply. We walked another 500 feet when this time the whistle was now blowing constantly, always ahead of us. Our trail was coming to an end. It turned into a narrow game trail. I pulled up the map and GPS to check where we were. We were in the correct area but it did not match the husband's description. We all talked it over. This time, out of the seven of us, four voted to continue to follow this now loud blowing and constant whistle. Through the timber, across the creek's upper rock wall to a meadow, we found her. I radioed to command, we have her. Send the helicopter. She is unconscious. As I said in four and the other medic stabilized her pelvis, the others cleared out the brush and branches so the prop wash from the airlift wouldn't hurt anyone. One of the members walked over and handed me a bright orange whistle on a lanyard that she said she found hanging on a tree limb 35 yards away. That freaked us out. How the hell did she blow that whistle? She was unconscious. There were no other hikers on the mountain that we saw in the area where the whistle was hanging was above a cliff just yards away. After she was recovered by life flight helicopter we headed out to the command center. The sheriff greeted us. 
He took us aside and asked all of us if we saw anything strange. Apparently, when the helicopter was approaching, they both saw a large creature walking away from where we were. We told them about the traveling whistle and how it kept moving as we followed and that's how we found the victim. Now I've heard stories of people being helped by these creatures or Bigfoot, as you call them. There are nine of us, a sheriff, two firefighters, myself, and others who experienced this wonder. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and was an avid hiker. In 2013, a group of friends invited me to go mushroom hunting in the Shisla National Forest, about an hour outside of Portland, where we lived. We spent significant time in the coastal forests, but mushrooms tended to cluster in areas with lighter foliage cover. Our de facto expert had experience foraging off of old logging roads and suggested a spot he visited the year prior. We drove to the end of a one-lane dirt road overlooking a deep ravine. Each of us put on our gear and bushwhacked through the, comparatively sparse, undergrowth, checking the leaves and debris for fungi. After about 20 minutes, I came across a small clearing of trees, perhaps a one-time campsite for loggers. About halfway across the spans, I noticed something pink on the ground ahead. What I saw stopped me dead in my tracks, resting on the leaves was the heart of an unknown animal, roughly the size of my fist, still untouched by the elements and fauna. There was no trace of a body in the immediate area, no other organs, remnants of flesh, or visible blood. It was spotless. The heart had no bite marks and the tissue was still dark red. I ran like hell back to the car, mercifully, my friend decided to hang back. We rounded everyone up and left immediately. I have a photograph of the heart, although wish I had taken one of the clearing. Please let me know if you have any explanations for this. It happened around the Mount Hebo area. Okay. So the house was built in 1892 and serves as a bed and breakfast. The owners are friends of my mother. It was a private residence for several decades, then a hospital for 50 years, then a private residence again, and now it's a B&B. It has five stories plus a basement and was built in a late Victorian style. I helped them move furniture a while back, and nothing major happened, but I was with the owners of the house at the time except for lights not working that normally worked, which could have been electrical issues due to the old house. However, there were certain rooms where I could definitely sense a presence and moments when I was the only physical body, yet I didn't feel alone. Not necessarily a malevolent presence, but a presence for sure. The owners of the house either don't believe in paranormal activity or don't want to believe in it, the husband doesn't, and I'm not sure about the wife. I'll be their dog sitting for three days and three nights. Please share any insight or advice you might possess. I'm not into paranormal stuff, and I don't go seeking it out, which is why I'm hesitant to say yes. Still, they have been good to me, especially my mom, so I don't want to say no. I was with two of my friends that night, when it happened. I was driving them home, because I was the only one who didn't drink at the party we attended early in the evening. We were on the road when my friend, Alex felt sick, 
So I decided to park the car a few minutes on the side road and wait for him to get better. I remember, it was a clear night because of the full moon, high in the sky. The landscape was beautiful. The beach was close to the road and I could perfectly see it. To the dark grey sand, the bright sea and the big boulder in the middle, not far from the shore. But, something strange was on it so I got closer. At first, I was startled because who in their right mind could sleep on a boulder, half immersed in the cold water of winter, at three in the morning. That's where things got weird. The thing looked like a woman at first but instead of legs, she had a strong tail, covered in scales with what it looked like, a scark fin on top of her back. Her skin was grey but with the night, so everything else around me. She seemed to sleep with her head resting on her forearms. In the panic, I shouted to my other friend, Mira to put the headlight of the car on, because I wanted to see it better and when I looked in front of me again, so was the thing. God, I could never forget it. She was staring at me, her bottom half lying on the boulder, while she was standing on her webbed hands who ended up with big claws. Her hair was moving with the wind but they were weird, like snakes but it wasn't really snakes, I don't know how to describe it. She had two big white eyes with no pupils at all or eyebrows and instead of a nose, she had six slits in both sides of her face and her mouth was very small, thin and with no lips. I was so frightened by her eyes, staring at me, I couldn't move a single bone in my body. Then I hear my friends run to me, and before they arrived, she turned on her tail and disappeared into the sea with a loud splash and waves all around and just like that, she was gone. All this happened in Seikon but it was eternity for me. My friends didn't see anything and I was too shocked to tell them. To this day, they still don't know what happened to me and I didn't tell anybody either. Nobody would have believed me and I can't blame them. If this would have happened to somebody else, I would never have believed them either. And frankly, I didn't want to be called crazy. Sometimes I wonder if indeed I'm not crazy but then one day, several months after that night, I saw on TV that a diver was scared to death on the same area. Doctors said that he must have seen something really scary. I don't think it is a coincidence. Now, I know that I saw a real mermaid and it was not the pretty mermaid Hollywood want us to believe. I don't know if she was good or not, I was just so scared. Humans are scared of the unknown and this proved to be true. Since then I am scared of swimming. I live on an island so of course there is the sea all around but I don't go in there, I am still scared and I don't want to see her ever again. I never return to that beach because I know what's in there and you would be scared to death too if you ever meet that thing in the water. My buddy and I heard of phantom headlights and cars that would suddenly appear then not be there the moment you look again. We were driving on a straight part of the road, level ground, about to come up on one of the first main hills, past all the telephone poles and lights, pitch black, when we saw something start to glow in the horizon. It was raining, so if it was a car with its high beams it would have definitely illuminated the sky, but as we drove up the first hill, we noticed that it was only one singular light, and it was so bright that it literally could have been the sunset if it wasn't 12 am anyways, it's midnight, raining, on a random road in the middle of Suskin, 
So the idea that maybe it was just a motorcycle was out of question because who would drive a motorcycle that late, randomly, in the rain? Then we noticed just how bright it actually was and how there was something else that was odd. It wasn't moving. It didn't get closer to us, and it almost appeared to be in the middle of the road. So within a full maybe 30 to 45 seconds of seeing this thing, it didn't move, get brighter, get bigger, even though we are flooring it down the road to get a glimpse of it. Then, while we are still on the hill, climbing up towards it. Poof. The light just turns off. But it wasn't instant. It was like turning off a fluorescent light bulb, or dimming a lamp. It made the hair on our back stand up because as far as we knew, we just experienced one of these phantom headlights that there are stories of. But get this, as we drove for another say 30 seconds after the light went out, we got to where the light was shining from, and a very shitty sedan drove past us with headlights that in no way could have been what we saw. I'm mentioning the car so I don't rule out the idea that maybe it was the car to keep my own sanity. But I don't know dude. From how it acted, to the timing, and our speed or location. I don't think the car made that light. Thanks for all the upvotes. Let me know if you have seen any weird phenomenon like me. New edit just for updates. My friend and I plus some new friends who I got into Suskin stories are really passionate about literally anything dedicated to haunted things happening up there. Once again if anybody has any stories or just to tell new people to go for a drive and maybe record, ITD be cool to get more info about this insane 18 mile long haunted road. Really appreciate all the comments and debates about what people believe is real or their own short stories. Thanks. Late one night, my wife and I decided to go on a moonlit walk on our property to find good spots to look up at the stars because we were considering getting a telescope. We got into the car and drove to the very end of our driveway, which is approximately a quarter of a mile from the main road, with thick woods on both sides. As we started walking up the driveway, about halfway up, we felt like we were being watched. We stopped, and then we started hearing very loud noises in the woods to our left. It sounded like something was running towards us. Shocked and panicked, my wife turned and started running back towards the vehicle. Reba, my wife, said, I wanted to get out of there as fast as I could. I told my husband to come on, and he told me to go ahead. So, I ran back to the car as fast as I could, got in, and locked the doors. Jason, the husband, continued the story. After my wife ran back to the vehicle, I immediately got a flashlight out of my pocket to scan the woods. I did not feel comfortable turning my back on whatever this was. I smelled a foul odor in the air, it's hard to describe, but it was an overwhelming nauseating odor, like a mixture of roadkill and wet dog with a faint scent of sulfur. The sulfur smell was akin to the odor after striking a match and blowing it out, but more potent. My heart was racing, my palms were sweaty, and my senses were heightened. My body went into a state of alert from fear, which is not normal for me. I grew up my whole life hunting, entering the woods well before daylight and exiting well after sundown. I'm familiar with local wildlife like deer, bobcats, coyotes, raccoons, panthers, and wild hogs, 
so I'm not easily scared. However, this animal kept charging at me a little bit at a time, then stopping and charging again. It was so loud that it sounded like a bull elephant coming through the woods at me. This was when I knew it was something I had never heard before. I never got a glimpse of the creature, and I didn't see any eye shine. I searched high and low, scanning the woods. The animal had to be far enough into the woods that I could not see it, but it sounded like it was right next to me at the edge of the woods. At this point, I slowly backed up the hill, never turning around and always keeping the flashlight scanning the woods. I didn't know what to expect. I built up enough courage to shout, that's enough. Just stay back. In a stern, loud voice. I doubted the creature understood anything I said, but I hoped the tone would be enough to make it stop coming towards me. Shortly after I shouted, everything began to calm, and I think it understood that we were leaving the area. After feeling that I was being watched and pushed out of the area, I finally reached the top of the hill and felt it was safe to turn around. So, I ran the rest of the way to the car. My wife had the doors locked, so I flashed my lights and tapped on the window. She immediately unlocked the doors, and I got in. Then she immediately locked the doors back, and we drove back up to the house. This was the first of many occurrences that happened on that property. It seemed that after this encounter, the activity picked up in the following months. I have heard many stories at Deer Camp about people seeing this creature, but I always dismissed it as folklore. However, this experience made me realize that there is really something out there. It sparked my desire to look into it further and do some of my own research because I felt as if I were losing it. As I replayed the events in my head, I tried to make sense of it all, but the research I have done seems to bring me more questions than answers. For a little backstory, I travel frequently. I live a one-suitcase lifestyle, traveling with the wind for the most part. As I go, I pick up odd jobs and such to make money to get by. As a teenager I was inspired by Chris McCandless, and I have tried to make my life like his, except keeping in touch with friends and family along the way. I've seen many beautiful parks and such, and I really can't complain about my life. Things were normal until I met Rick that is. He's a park ranger, a park I won't mention for my safety, and your own, and our connection was instant. He was knowledgeable about the park, witty, and quite drop-dead gorgeous if I'm being honest. We hit it off right away, and within the day of meeting we were going out for dinner. We talked for hours, and the next day we met up for a hike. I'm usually weary of strangers, but he was a ranger, so I trusted him. He showed me some beautiful valleys in the park, and told some incredible stories about the wildlife along the way. Then he asked me to come back to his cabin. As a woman, this was a red flag. As nice as he was, and as connected as I felt we were, it's still a little unnerving to think about going to a practically stranger's cabin. Alone. When no one knows where you are. But I pushed my fear down and agreed to join him for dinner at his place after his shift. I met him at the ranger station, and we drove in his pickup to his cabin. It was set back in the woods, about five minutes outside of park property. On the way, he gave me a rundown of the house's history. Passed down for generations, 
It had been standing in the same place for over 200 years. His parents had used it as a summer house while he was growing up, but had gifted it to him when they decided to move to the West Coast. He had lived here for five years, and that's why he got a job as a park ranger. When we pulled down the long drive, you could tell the place had history. Calling this place a cabin feels like an understatement. This cabin was massive, a mansion would be a better word for it. It was grand and beautiful. It did resemble a cabin, just at a larger scale. The yard was huge, with the house set in the middle of the property. The edge of the woods surrounding the property gave me the creeps if I'm being honest. It was almost dusk, and the woods weren't inviting. They looked scary, like they would twist and change when you turn your back. Rick turned to me once we had stepped into the entryway of his house. What do you think? He smiled. It's, beautiful, I said, staring at the tall ceilings and the giant staircase to my right. I love it. He grabbed my hand and led me to the kitchen. The house really was beautiful inside, the only part I didn't like was the paintings on the wall. They followed you with their eyes, and it sent a chill down my spine. Rick must have noticed me eyeing the paintings, because he then said that's everyone who's ever lived in this house. It's a tradition to have them painted and hung on the wall. I adore them, but they creep me out a little, he chuckled, and then pointed at one of the frames. There's me, at the ripe old age of 16. His smile in the photo was the same as it was the day I met him. Big and inviting. Maybe it was the imperfect teeth, or the way his dimples shined from his cheeks, but he looked so happy. The painting was gorgeously done, you could tell whoever painted it took lots of effort with the details. He looks like he hasn't aged a day, minus the deeper bags under his eyes, and the five o'clock shadow that he had now. Maybe it's because I know him, but even to this day his painting is the only one that doesn't give me the creeps. After a few minutes of introducing me to his family in the paintings, we continued into the kitchen. It was just as put together as the rest of the house, but you could tell the utensils and such had been around for a while. The KitchenAid mixer looked like it was from the 60s, if not older. If anything, the age of everything just gave it more charm. The fridge was also from the 60s, and it was quite cute. Everything in the kitchen was nice, and the lack of paintings and their suspecting gaze helped me to calm down. To skip a little bit of the lengthy unnecessary details, I moved in with him about a week later. Very soon, I know, but I felt like I'd known him forever. And the park that he worked it was beautiful, and massive. So much to see. I felt like I needed to stick around. Rick helped me to get a job at a watchtower in the park, and I was making good money too. About six months later, I found out I was pregnant. Three months along. I wasn't really ready for a kid, but I was excited. Rick was stoked also, more than me honestly. He's been a great dad. But he was nervous. After a lot of discussion, I agreed that I would take a leave from work to stay home until after the baby was born just in case an actual emergency were to happen while I was on duty. I had been off for about two weeks now, and it was easy going. I took care of the yard work at our house, and ventured into the surrounding woods, although not very far. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. 
Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Something still seemed off about them. I've found ways to keep myself entertained, and it's not so bad. And Rick felt better knowing that the baby and I were safe on the property. That was, until the third week of being off work. It was bright and early on a Tuesday morning, although the forecast was calling for rain this afternoon. I figured I'd go out and weed the garden I had started, and then maybe do some light cleaning inside. I spent most of the morning weeding, and around noon I went inside to get something to drink. I was sitting at the counter, drinking some water when I heard it. A faint yell. It caught my attention, but after not hearing anything else I let it go, shuffling through the stack of mail I had brought in earlier. There was a letter from my sister, and I was about to grab a letter opener when I heard it again. A yell, louder this time, coming from outside. And another one, this time I could make out the words. My baby. Oh no my baby. Please, help me. Even though I hadn't been pregnant for more than four months, my maternal instinct kicked in. A fellow mother was having trouble with her baby, and I needed to help. I pushed down the logical questions that I should have had, like why was this lady on our property, set deep into the woods? Or what could possibly be wrong with her baby that she hadn't taken it to the hospital and gotten help? I did make one choice before I went outside, that to this day I'm still grateful for. I grabbed my phone, and car keys before going outside. Maybe it was the thought of needing to take this lady to the hospital, or the deep down instinct of needing to flee in the face of danger, but nonetheless they were safely tucked in my pocket. When I stepped out onto the front porch, I saw her. Walking from the tree line, actually scratched that, limping. In a way that was so grotesque, it made my stomach flip. Something was wrong with this woman, and it was quite obvious. She continued howling my babooey as she limped her way closer to the house. The way she moved is something I will never forget. It was scary. And gross. Her arms were wrapped by her chest, cradling a bundle of what I could only assume to be her baby. When she stepped forward, she drug her leg behind her. With every step, her body swayed down and then back up again, 
almost as if her legs were two different lengths. She moved slowly, and kept her head down. Since she was still pretty far off, I couldn't really see her face, but I could see that her hair was tangled and falling down over her face, and that her head hung far to one side. Her clothes looked old, almost like she had just stepped out of the early 1900s. She looked gross, and injured, to say the least. Realizing that I was just standing there when someone clearly in distress was right in front of me, I walked briskly down the stairs. Ma'am, ma'am, what's wrong? Can I help you? Where's your baby? When she heard my voice, she looked up. The sight of her made me gag. She was terrifying. Her face was covered in dirt and scratches. Her neck was badly bruised. And her eyes, something I'll never get out of my head. They were just like the paintings in the hall, burning a hole right in you, and never looking away. She looked at me, and then it was like she changed. She went from the prey, to the predator. The bundle in her arms hit the ground in an instant, with no regard for what I'd assumed to be the baby. She took off, running, if that's what you could call it, never taking her eyes off of me. She came charging right towards me, hobbling at high speeds, making this disgusting gurgling sound. You. Have. My. Baby. She screamed at me, still charging at me from the edge of the tree line. I was so caught off guard that I just stood there. Then all at once, it hit me that I needed to get the F out of there, ASAP. I dove my hand into my pocket and grabbed my keys. Taking off towards my car, it was like the woman creature picked up speed. She was about the same distance from me that I was from my car. I ran, faster than I ever had. Glad that I left my car unlocked, I ripped the door open, dove into the driver's seat, and slammed the door, smashing down repeatedly on the lock button. I shut the door just in time, the woman reached my car and began banging on my window. My eyes never left hers as my hand slid the key into the ignition and turned. The car roared to life. I threw it into drive, and slammed on the gas, tearing up the gravel as I sped down the driveway. Every time I shut my eyes, I could see the woman's eyes. They were bright yellow, such an unnatural color for eyes. Her facial features were gaunt, and she seemed lifeless. Once I reached the end of my driveway I glanced in the rearview mirror. She stood about halfway down the drive, with her head hung at that unnatural angle. I couldn't really make out her face, but I could feel her eyes staring right at me. I punched on the gas and took off, going to the only place I could think of, the park. Once I reached the ranger station, I parked my car and sprinted into the building. When I got inside, one of the rangers named Stacy I was sitting at a desk. Jesus Nettie you look like you've seen a ghost. She jumped up from her chair and walked over to me, pulling me into a hug. What's wrong sweetie? There was a, a woman? At my house. She tried to attack me, I think. I don't know, I got in my car before she could get to me I sighed, pulling away from the hug. I just now realized I was crying. I'm calling Rick back from patrol. You need to sit down. Stacy I pulled me over to a chair, and she walked over to the phone. After talking briefly to Rick on the phone, she came back and sat down across from me. Start from the beginning, what happened? I told the story in full, 
starting from when I went inside to get a glass of water. I felt crazy retelling it, it just sounded ridiculous, but there was no denying it had happened. Is that how your window got cracked? Stacy I gestured out the window. My car window was indeed cracked, pretty much shattered. I have no idea how I didn't notice it earlier. Must have been because of the adrenaline or something. I know I sound crazy, but I swear I'm not making any of this up. She looked into my eyes, and I could see the sympathy. Listen girlfriend I totally believe you. I work at a national park, and I've seen some shit that I couldn't logically explain. I know one thing for sure, you're not going back to that house tonight, definitely not alone. We waited for Rick to get to the station, Stacy I told me about a date she had been on recently. The date story was boring, but I'll be forever grateful that she told it to me because it gave me a few moments of distraction from the sheer terror I was feeling. I had made up my mind right then and there that I wouldn't be going back to that house. Not while that woman-like thing was still on the prowl. Especially not if she wanted my baby. The baby that was four months old, nowhere near ready to be born, and never ready to be snatched by some foul creature from the 1900s. It seemed like an eternity, but Rick finally showed up. He burst through the door, and pulled me up into a hug. What the F happened? He pulled back and looked into my eyes. I'm sure he could see the terror. I had been calm while Stacy I was telling me her story, but after finally seeing Rick, the anxiety and fear was back. I told the story again from beginning to end, while Rick paced back and forth across the station. When I finished the story, Rick simply said come with me. I stood up and walked after him, out the door. I glanced back at Stacy I, and she gave me a look of sympathy, but she nodded for me to follow. Rick got into his truck, and I got in the passenger seat. He sighed loudly. We have to go back to the house. I'm sorry but what the F do you mean we have to go back to that house? I'm not going back there, you can't make me, did you hear a word I said? I'm not. Stop. Rick turned to look at me. I'm not going to lie, I was fuming. I was not going back to that house, not after what I had seen. Not after what had happened. Not today, and honestly, not ever. We have to go back. I know you don't want to, and I know I sound crazy, but we have to. I'm sorry, I was really hoping this wouldn't happen while you were here, but since it did, we have to do something about it. He put his hand on mine for a moment, and then pulled away, turning the key in the ignition. Are you going to at least tell me what happened? Who that lady was? And why this happened in the first place? Yes. But you need to listen, and you've got to believe me. It sounds crazy, but after what you've seen I'm sure believing me won't be a problem. I nodded, not sure what to say. Today, you met Laura. She lived in the house from 1892 to 1917. She was an aunt of mine. Obviously one that goes back a ways, I don't remember how many greats she was. Anyway, in 1917 she got pregnant with her first child. She was an old mother for her time, even though 25 is nothing nowadays. When she finally gave birth, the baby was stillborn. Since there wasn't much for medical things back then, they didn't know that the baby was dead until the day it was born. Laura was overcome with grief from the death of her baby. 
she carried around its poor corpse for days, until it began to stink and her brother, my something great-grandfather, had to take it from her and bury it in the family cemetery. After taking her baby away, Laura completely lost it. One of her sister-in-laws was pregnant at the time, and Laura went after her. She tried to claw the baby right out of her, the whole time screaming about her baby. My grandpa and uncle were able to break them up, but something had to be done about Laura. They planned on taking her to a hospital for the insane, but they locked her in her bedroom that night, not knowing it was the last time they'd see her alive. She hung herself from the rafters that night, breaking her neck. She's haunted the place ever since. I've only seen her once, shortly after my brother was born, and I never wanted to see her again. But I've heard her story, many times. He looked over at me. I was in shock. I believed him, I mean I'd seen this lady, and her neck was definitely broken, but still. The story did sound pretty crazy. And this was a lot to take in. I mean I'd seen weird shit working in the watchtower, and throughout my travels, but nothing quite that far out in left field. I just nodded in response to Rick's words, and that seemed to be enough for him. He put the truck in drive, and began the trip to our house. After a few minutes, I spoke. Ricky, what are we gonna do when we get there? Is Laura gone? Listen carefully. We can get rid of her for now, but we have to do this right the first time. He looked at me. Do you understand? Yes. Good. All right. When we get to the house, she'll be sitting on the porch, on the rocking chair to the far left. She'll have her little bundle in her arms again, and she'll be calm. She'll be fine until she notices you're there. Then she'll get up and begin to approach you again. I know it's scary, but I'll be right with you the whole time, I promise. When she notices you, you need to speak these words. Say them loud and clear so she hears you. Laura your baby lies not with me, but in the clearing over the hill. In a little basket under the ground, waiting for you. Do you hear his cries? He needs you. It'll be obvious if she's heard you, and then she'll retreat into the woods, to the cemetery where her baby is. Rick looked back at me. Got all that? Yeah, I think so. Laura your baby lies not with me, but in the clearing over the hill. In a little basket under the ground, waiting for you. Do you hear his cries? He needs you. I recited word for word, ready to do whatever it takes to get that ghost away from our house. Sounds good, you're as ready as you'll ever be as I guess. He kept his eyes on the road, we were almost to the turn for our driveway. How do you know this will work? What do we do if it doesn't? I didn't mean to come across as panicky, but can you blame me? I've never dealt with ghosts before, especially not ones trying to steal my unborn child. It's gonna work. But if it doesn't, just get back in the truck and we'll leave. But it's gonna work, I promise you that darling. He grabbed my hand. Everything's gonna be just fine. But how do you know? I wanted to believe him, I really did, but it all just sounded so silly. Because my mom did it when I was younger. I've heard plenty of stories. My family has been doing this since Laura passed. There's no way to get rid of her, just ways to keep her at bay. He squeezed my hand. Just like that, we were pulling down the long gravel driveway. I could see Laura, 
rocking back and forth on our porch, staring down over that little bundle of blankets. We parked a few yards away from the porch, and we both stepped out of the truck, leaving the doors open. Rick whispered to me. I'll get her attention, but the second she looks at you, you need to start talking. Immediately. I nodded in response. The phrase was on repeat in my head. I was so afraid I'd forget something and mess everything up. I couldn't risk that. Rick whistled. Just a small little tune, one that I'd heard him whistle many times before as he walked around the house. Laura looked up from the bundle, and Rick nodded. I felt her eyes hit me, and I began. Laura your baby lies not with me, but in the clearing over the hill. At this point she was at the bottom of the stairs, her head hung to the side and her nasty yellow eyes burning holes in me. In a little basket under the ground, waiting for you. She was maybe 15 feet away, her pace getting faster and faster, coming right towards me. Do you hear his cries? 10 feet. He needs you. The second that you left my mouth, she stopped dead in her tracks. Thank God for that, because at that point she was a mere three feet away, and that was way too close for comfort. Suddenly her head whipped to the other side, and she seemed to morph right in front of my eyes. Her legs seemed to even out, her clothes went from looking tattered and old to brand new, and her eyes turned into a stunning blue, seemingly identical to Rick's eyes. Then her neck snapped straight, like a normal person's neck would be. The worst part by far was when she opened her mouth and spoke. Her voice was hoarse at first, but then after a few words it sounded normal, and quite pretty. She had a sing-song tone to the way she spoke. I hear him. I do. Pardon me, but I must tend to my babe. Thank you. And with that she turned around and walked back towards the tree line. Her stride was normal now, no longer limpy and painful. We stood, hand in hand, until she disappeared into the trees. I was a lot more at peace than I thought I would be if I'm being honest. Maybe it was because Laura was just grieving and not actually evil, or maybe it's just because the whole experience seemed surreal. Either way, I was calm. We shut the truck doors and headed into the house. When we got inside, the first thing my eyes did was drift to the hallway with the paintings. I found Laura fairly quickly. She was beautiful, not nearly as frightening as she had been that afternoon. In fact, she mostly resembled the lady who had just returned to the woods a mere five minutes ago. The rest of the painting still felt like they looked directly at me, but her eyes seemed softened. They didn't feel like they burned into me anymore. Thank goodness. I went to bed shortly after that, but there was one more thing Rick told me about Laura that I feel like I should mention. Apparently, Laura only appears once per child. So I'll never see her again, unless I have another baby. Luckily, she doesn't appear for children who don't live on the premises. That's good, because I wasn't looking forward to explaining to any future guests why there was a strange lady sprinting her way across the lawn. Well that's all for this story, but trust me, I have many more. Some about my time working at the Watchtower, some about touring through the park, and a good deal of them about other things that happen at the house. On December 4, 2005, at approximately 8.15 am, 
I was standing about 50 yards from the southwest corner boundary marker of my property when I heard the neighbor's dog start to bark and head southward toward Arkansas Highway 7. They only ran a short distance before stopping. I immediately thought they must be barking at a deer crossing the road. My initial instinct was to get my gun from my truck, but then I remembered I had parked outside the fence in front of my house. So, I decided to stand there and observe hoping to determine if it was a doe or a buck and that it wouldn't feel pressured since the dogs had stopped barking. I believe the deer might change direction if it saw me hurrying in its same general direction. Therefore, I stood still and waited, hoping to catch a glimpse of it. If the dogs remained quiet, I planned to hunt it later. Only one of the dogs got to see it for two to three seconds, but I saw it clearly. My initial impression was that I was observing a very large man wearing a hooded parka. Then, I realized it was some kind of animal. It was about 50 yards away on the opposite side of an old fence that had been overtaken by grass, weeds, and vines. I only had a left side view of it as it was traveling east along an old fence row, covering a distance of about 20 yards in just 3 seconds. I could only see its upper body. I could tell it was not a bear, but I couldn't make out distinct facial features from the side. It resembled an ape in some ways, but its posture appeared more manlike. I can best describe its size by comparing it to a very large man I know who is approximately 6 feet 9 inches tall and weighs 280 pounds. This creature was at least that tall, possibly a little taller but close to that same build. I did not get a long view of it and I probably wouldn't have had time to take a picture even if I had a camera in my hand. It was moving at a brisk pace but not lightning fast, with a stride resembling a trot or jog. The body moved quickly, but there was no up and down motion. From what I could tell, it appeared to have a moderately thick coat of black hair, and its face was dark, as if there was some hair on it. It was moving through a well-used deer crossing near an old fence row on both sides of Arkansas Highway 7. The west fence row had recently been cleared, while the east side was logged about five years ago and has a fair amount of undergrowth and a game trail running along the south side of the fence row. Just a little to the southwest of the spot, there is a thicket approximately three acres in size. There are a couple of partial open areas in the woods there, and in most parts of this thicket, one can walk through fairly easily, while in some places, it is too thick to move through without clippers and or a machete. I did not see where the creature crossed Arkansas Highway 7, but it most likely came from an area about 40 yards away from the highway's west side right of way. I believe that this creature waited until there were no cars coming before crossing the road. I did not get the impression that it was running from something. I have mentally replayed the entire scenario many times, and I have stood and looked at the same area where the creature was seen. I looked for tracks after the incident, but the ground was too brushy for obvious tracks. I've stood in a spot where I observed the creature from, watched vehicles travel north along Arkansas Highway 7, and considered every possible scenario. It wasn't any kind of illusion, I was there, and I saw it. would just like to start by saying that I am new to Reddit and this is my first post so please bear with me if I am not doing this right. 
This story I am about to share is actually why I joined Reddit on my quest to find out if this has happened to anyone else. This is 100% true and is really hard for me to share because any time I have tried to tell someone else about it, I get laughed at and accused of just trying to pull their leg. I recently seen an article about a woman who was hunting and seen an invisible or cloaked creature that she described as almost like a predator from the movie of the same name. I read her story and seen the picture she took of said predator. Now, as for her picture, I personally think it is a combination of flare from the sun and a close-up of possibly her face or something. I am not dismissing her story though, actually quite the opposite, since I too have encountered something similar, and is what prompted me to seek out if anyone else has encountered a predator in the woods. Now on to my encounter. When I was about 5 years old I was playing by the edge of the woods behind my grandmother's house. I played there often and my grandma just kept an eye on me from the kitchen or living room because the house had huge windows that faced the woods. She would come out every once in a while just to see what I was up to. I was obsessed with digging in the dirt and collecting unusual rocks and arrowheads that littered the land where my grandmother lived. I should mention this is Midwest Illinois, not too far from Cahokia Mounds, so finding arrowheads was actually not that uncommon. Anyway, that day, I remember picking out a spot to dig. I had been out there for quite a while because I remember I had a pretty decent size hole going, when something caught my eye up in the tree that I was next to. I almost don't know how to explain it, but it looked like almost a heat wave coming off the branch of the tree. It was fall, I remember this because I had my pink jacket on and remember thinking that my mom was going to be pissed because I had dirt around the bottom of the arms from digging. I also remember there being a lot of leaves on the ground. Anyway, I am staring at this heat wave and realize it has a human shape. So here I am, 5 years old, and wondering why there is an invisible man in the tree. I remember feeling scared but unsure what to do. Then it started moving and making a faint clicking sound. That is about the time that I decided that I was not supposed to be seeing this, and I hightailed it back to the house. My grandmother seen I was pretty shaken, and I remember telling her that I'd just seen an angel. In my five-year-old mind, I didn't know what else it could be. I had never heard of aliens or ghosts or monsters, so to me it had to be an angel because that's all my little mind could think of. Fast forward to when I am about 12 years old. By this time the encounter was way out of mind. I loved watching action and sci-fi movies. My dad rented a movie called Predator. I am watching it with him, and the first time you see the predator invisible or cloaked I about shit my pants. All the memories from that day digging in the dirt came flooding back. I even asked my dad if predator was real or if he knew if anyone or any animal that had cloaking ability that I didn't know about. He told me it was all fake. It wasn't like it is today where I could just google it. I had no access to the internet, so again I just put it out of my mind. Again fast forward to about the year 2004. I am grown. I have three small children. I just went through a separation from my husband. I moved to the next town over to an apartment with my kids. These apartments are all one level duplexes with there being five buildings. I am at the very last apartment of the last building. The apartments are considered in town but are on the outskirts. 
There is a deep ditch that runs behind the buildings with a chain-link fence that separates the backyard from the ditch. There are about six to seven trees on our side of the fence. If you follow the ditch a little bit, you hit a small forest that eventually leads to the country with a larger forest and farmland. I am a smoker, but would not smoke in the apartment because of the kids, so I often went out to the back porch. One night I was up late doing laundry and stuff after the kids went to bed. I decided to take a smoke break before I myself went to sleep. I am back there on the porch and I started hearing this faint clicking sound. I immediately looked to the ditch because I had seen a groundhog out there a few days before and thought perhaps he was out there again. The yard is faintly lit from the outside light that is by the playground that is to the right of my back porch. I didn't turn on my porch light, I didn't normally, if I was just going out for a quick smoke. I didn't see any groundhog or movement from the ditch, so I go back to smoking my cigarette. The faint clicking sound keeps happening and a slight shift of movement makes me look up into the tree to the left of my porch. It's there. The same invisible thing I had seen when I was five. It is like a distortion and in a humanoid shape. It is crouched down on the branch with an arm out holding on to the trunk of the tree. I couldn't believe it. I was like is this happening, has it came to kill me for me seeing it all those years ago. All I could think about was my kids in the apartment sleeping. I ran in and slammed and locked the door. I ran to the kids' rooms and made sure all the windows are locked, then I just turn out the lights in the living room and stare out the blinds at the tree to see if I could catch another glimpse of it. I sat there for about a good 10 minutes and couldn't see anything. I begin to think that I am just tired and my mind was playing tricks on me. Just as I was finally talking myself down, my neighbor's dog comes running across the yard and starts barking at the tree at the same branch that I had seen this predator thing. That pretty much freaked me out because this dog was not a barker. I actually have never heard him bark at anything, even at the groundhog that had been hanging out at the ditch. This barking went on for a few minutes until I hear the neighbor lady who owns the dog call him back inside. The dog reluctantly turned to go back home, stopping every few feet to look back at the branch of the tree, until he was out of my sight. I didn't sleep that night and have never seen anything like it again. I don't know what to think of it. I am a grown woman. I have kids and a good career. I just want to know if anyone else has ever had an experience like this. I know what I saw. Believe it or not. Thanks for taking the time to read this. I am sorry, I am on mobile so I hope that the formatting on this isn't horrible. I live desert hot springs a city a few miles away from Palm Springs, California. The first experience I remember is when I was about six years old. I was playing on a table while watching TV. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a girl walking into my room. I remember excitedly calling out for my cousin thinking it was her. That moment my mom pops out of the kitchen to tell me no one is home but us. A few years later in a different home, I get home from school and go in my room to play video games. I set myself on my bed and a few minutes later I feel like someone jumped on my bed. I pretended I didn't feel anything and just kept playing. A few months later I feel something wake me up, I see a face next to mine. I shut my eyes hoping to go back to sleep, 
But of course it's not happening. I quickly get up and turn on the light, I never moved faster in my life. Those were the major experiences Therese quite a few small things that happened. Funny thing a few months ago my aunt asked me if felt any sort of presence in that house. I wasn't the only one that experienced possible paranormal activity in that house. Maybe 8 years later in my mom's current home. Around 10 PM, my mom calls out scared that something climbed over the wall into our yard. Now at the time there was only a few homes and miles and miles of nothing but desert. I go outside with a rifle thinking maybe it was a pack of coyotes trying to get our small dog since there was reports of coyotes attacking pets around the area. She tells me to come back inside quick and tells me what she saw. She described it as a black mass or blob, completely shapeless. My girlfriend and I were out. Before I left, I asked if she needed a ride home, and she said no. I had a bad feeling about leaving without her, but I have bad anxiety and brushed it off as just that. As soon as my car hit the road from the parking lot, this image popped into my head. I saw my girlfriend's car in a mangled mess with a black SUV. The front ends of both cars were destroyed. I pushed it out of my mind and continued on, chalking it up to anxiety. The next morning, I was informed that my girlfriend had been in a severe head-on collision. She survived, but the people in the other car didn't. When the police report was released, I saw that the other car was a black SUV. I wasn't a believer in visions, etc., previously, but this seems too much to be a coincidence. I know I can't blame myself, but there's always this guilt that had I listened to that bad feeling or vision, or whatever, two people could still be alive. Do you think this was some sort of ESP or